Open your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. The name of the message is, One Came Back. One Came Back. Now, for today's encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll be looking in the book of Luke, chapter 17, where we see ten lepers brought forth in the text who all have a divine encounter with our Lord. But there's one, only one, who came back and thanked him. Out of the ten lepers who were healed, only one came back and praised our great God. Only one came back and fell at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. With that in our minds, let us look at our text today. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men with, that were lepers, which stood far off. <coughs> and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God save this stranger. And that's foreigner in the Greek. And he said unto him, Arise, go into thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Ten lepers cleansed, and one comes back. And of that one, the Lord says, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Now I looked into some information about leprosy. Leprosy is a disease known to us from ancient writings. It's It's in various writings from the ancient days as early as 600 B.C. Writings are from China, India, and Egypt. And also, it is known from some mummified remains from Egypt. It was quite common. It was common enough in Israel to warrant extensive regulation in the Mosaic Law of those suffering from it, and the related skin diseases which came about. And those are spoken of in Leviticus chapter 13 and Leviticus chapter 14. The disease is caused by a bacterium, Microbacterium lepere. It was discovered by a Norwegian scientist, G.H.A. Hansen, in 1873, and was the first bacterium to be identified as a cause of a human disease. And the bacterium is communicable. It's, it, it, it's passed through touch and breath. 
It's highly contagious. Leprosy, leprosy attacks the skin, the peripheral nerves, especially near the wrists, elbows, and knees, and mucous membrane. It forms lesions on the skin and can disfigure the face by collapsing the nose and causing folding of the skin, leading some to call it lion's disease due to the resulting lion-like appearance of the face. And contrary to popular belief, and this is something I learned because I was always told that digits fall off and everything, it does not eat away the flesh. It causes the loss of feeling, supposedly, especially in the hands and feet, and people with the disease wear away the extremities and faces unknowingly. And the hor it, it horribly disfigures whoever has it. They're They're disfigured. And it was greatly feared during the time of this writing because those who had leprosy were cast outside the cities. They were outside the camp. And they could not come in. And they had to go around crying, unclean, unclean, everywhere they went. Everywhere they went. So these poor lepers, they're not only inflicted with this disease, but now they're social outcasts. They're social outcasts as well. They're, they can't be with their families. They can't believe, be with the society that they, they live with. They can't be with their friends or anyone. They can't go to any kind of worship. They're outcasts. They're outcasts, and they're in the most pitiful condition in that state, in, in the times that we're reading about. In this encounter with Christ, we will look at today, it's only found once in the Bible. It's only found in the book of Luke. It's found nowhere else in Scripture. Only there. And it's an event that takes place as Jesus is heading to Jerusalem for the last time. He's traveling towards Jerusalem. And these ten lepers, they were excluded from the community. They were excluded from community life. They were, medics and doctors wouldn't even look at them. They, it was a death sentence for people. There was nothing humanly that could be done for, the, for someone with leprosy. As I said, it was a death sentence. Doctors couldn't cure them. No one else could cure them. But they're going to have an encounter. <laughs> they're going to have an encounter with the divine one, aren't they? They're going to have an encounter with someone who's not a mere man. He's God incarnate in the flesh. And one of them, one of them was doubly excluded because not only was he a leper, but he was a Samaritan and the Jews hated them. So he had two strikes against him. My. We'll see what happens to him, though, at the end of this narrative. Let's read verse 1 again. Luke chapter 17, or I mean verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. So this text brings forth that our Lord was on his way to Jerusalem. It happened around the same time as 
when he, when he uh, had that divine encounter with blind Bartimaeus. Actually, blind Bartimaeus was the last miracle that the Lord performed before he went to the cross. And the Lord was going to Jerusalem. Why? Well, for the purpose of laying down his life. For the purpose of dying for the sins of his people. A sinful people. That's us, isn't it? That's us. He was going down to Jerusalem to lay down his life for his sheep. Scripture says he was set like a flint. He knew he must die. And he was heading there. He's going to lay down his life. He's going to finish the work for which he come. He lived that perfect life for us, right? Now he was going to die in the sinner's place. So he wove that perfect coat of righteousness for us. And now he's going to finish it. By dying as our great substitute. By satisfying God's law. And God's justice. See, his life and his death are both important, aren't they? Because without his perfect life, we wouldn't be clothed in the righteousness we're clothed in. That makes us acceptable to be in the presence of God. And without his death, we wouldn't be redeemed. So his life and his death are of utmost importance. He's going there. He's going there to lay down his life for the sheep, to finish the work for which the Father sent him to do. He was sent into this world to save his people from their sins. That's the only reason he came, to save us from our sins. And at Jerusalem, he would pour out his life's blood. He would give his life for sinners, burying the sins of his people in his own body on the cursed tree. Oh, my. There the just would die for the unjust. He would suffer a full wrath of God as our substitute. All the absolute fury of divine justice would be poured out upon him there in the, for the satisfaction of God's justice for our sins. He would pay it all, and then at the end he would cry, it is finished. Done. Wonderful words for the believer. And he was going away to Jerusalem he was going to Jerusalem to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, knowing that his people could not be saved unless he died on Calvary's cross. All this was in his mind. He knew he had to go. I was thinking of that scripture this week of when the Lord was just a young boy. And he said, I have to be about my father's business. He knew even then. Now, he grew in wisdom and stature, we know that, but he knew why he was sent. Oh, my. And we've offended God's justice, haven't we? We've broken God's law. Therefore, they must be satisfied, and that's what our Lord was going to do. And he did it, beloved. That's the good news. God died for me. Christ died for me. He died for sinners. The question is, are you a sinner? All God's people say, yeah, we're, we're not just sinners, we're the chief. We're the chief, aren't we? My, oh my. And there, at that appointed time, that, that exact appointed time, he would die for us. 
See, nothing happens by chance or by luck at the exact appointed time that God had foreordained Christ died on the cross. And we didn't even know he did it for us, did we? We were born into this world. We had no clue that Christ died for us, did we? We grew up in our lives. We had no clue that the Lord died for us. And then one day, at the appointed time as well, at the appointed time, God, the Holy Spirit, regenerated us, and we were granted faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we know what he's done for us. And we rejoice, don't we? And as I looked at it in Sunday school, I brought up, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, isn't it? God did that for me, we can say as believers. So he was going to Jerusalem for me, for you, if you're a believer. That's where he was going, to redeem our eternal souls. He's headed to that place of sacrifice, and he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, our text tells us. Why did he do that? Well, because this was the nearest way to get from Galilee to Jerusalem, was by going through Samaria. And our wonderful, merciful Redeemer had an appointment with some folks over there, didn't he? He had an appointment with ten lepers, but he specifically had an appointment for one, the Samaritan. One who's hated. My. He's got an appointment. He's fast approaching. He's fast approaching what he came here to do. Right? He's fast approaching Calvary's cross. And he would not turn back, beloved. He would not turn back. Remember remember he's sweating great drops of blood? Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done, Lord. Father, and think of this. Think of this in light. He's, he's going to Calvary. He must die, right? He knows he must die. Listen to this. Heaven loved his own which were in the world. He loved us to the end. It's his love for us that drove him there. No wonder the scripture says, greater love hath no man than this, and the man laid down his life for his friend. It's his love for us that drove him to Calvary's cross. And that love's eternally being set upon us. Now we, we can only think of love in a finite way, right? We love our families. We love our Christians, brothers and sisters. We love our friends. All different kinds of love, though. But this is an everlasting love. This is an unchangeable love. This love is constant like this. It never changes. Never changes. Let's look at verse 2 now, or verse 12 now. Luke chapter 17, verse 12. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Now, take note in our text, it does not tell us the name of the village, because that's not what's important. It could have been a large village, could have been a small village, could have been an in-between village, right? But that's not what's important. What's important is that our Lord is going to do a miracle. What's important is the scriptures are all about Christ, right? And magnifying him. So the village is not of the utmost importance. Christ is of the utmost importance in what he does. 
Little did these villagers know. They woke up that morning. They probably crawled out of bed that morning, got up, cooking. Little did they know that the Son of God is going to pass through their village. They had no idea. No idea at all. They went about their, their normal lives and, and had no idea that the divine power of God would be manifest that day outside their village. No idea at all. No idea that God incarnate in the flesh was going to visit their village. No idea. It's like people have no idea when the Lord's going to return, eh? No idea at all. <laughs> and men and women go about just like normal, and then they, they die in their sins. My, oh my. Turn, if you would, to Leviticus chapter 13. Now, We've seen in our text there that our Lord was met by ten lepers, and they stood afar off, which means they kept their distance. They were supposed to do that. According to Leviticus chapter 13, they were actually supposed to do that, and they were obeying the Levitical law. Leviticus chapter 13, verses 44 to 46. He is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean, his plague is in his head. So all the priest can do, we're going to see in these texts, all the priest can do is, is declare, him, declare him unclean, and at the end we'll see, declare him, not the end of these verses, but in other verses we'll look at, declare him clean. That's all, the priest can't help him otherwise. <laughs> see the parallel there? No priest in this world can help anyone. Right? None. None. Can't help with it. And this leprosy, remember, leprosy is a picture of sin in the scriptures. It's important for us to know that too. So no man can help us with this leprosy except the God-man. Look at this. He is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean. His plague is in his head. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent and his head bare and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry, unclean, unclean. A mask goes on him. And he cries, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone without the camp, shall his habitation be. He has to dwell outside the camp, outside of all his friends and family. Anyone he worshiped with, he has to live outside of all that. It's a death sentence. And we see here in our text, though, that our Lord was meant, our Lord was meant by ten lepers. Look at verse 12. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men, which were lepers, which stood afar off. They stood off. Just like, just like Leviticus 13 there said, they had to keep their distance. Now, how they heard the Lord Jesus Christ was coming, we do not know. But they met him there. And we know that that was by the will of God, right? Because everything happens according to the will of God. It wasn't chance or luck, as the world would say. No, it was the divine purpose of God, the will of God being, being brought forth. 
They had come to this place seeking out the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these ten lepers were a community of death, weren't they? They had no hope. They had no hope, but they must have heard about Christ, because here they are crying to him. And they would have to warn everyone all around them. They would have to say, no matter where they went, unclean, 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 unclean. And they would, they would have to keep announcing that. Every time, every time they heard their own voices, they were constantly reminded of their awful state. It rang in their ears all the time of their awful condition. Now again, leprosy in the scriptures is a picture of sin. We're all lepers by our fallen nature. All of us. If you look at it in a spiritual aspect, we're all lepers. And it's a disease that makes a person unclean. Well, how are we unclean? By sin. And the person suffering from this deadly disease was pronounced unclean by the priest. Then they were put outside the camp. Isolated from all society. And everything the leper touched was defiled. Everything they touched was defiled. And this leprosy corrupted their whole being. Well, sin's corrupted all our being, isn't it? Everything we touch is tainted with sin. Everything we do, the best thing we do is tainted with sin. My, oh, my. Remember, Spurgeon said, the best sermon I preach is tainted with sin. It's true. He also said, the best prayer I offer up to the Lord is tainted with sin. Doesn't stop us from offering up prayers to our king, no, does it? No. Not at all. And leprosy, lepers were never sent to a doctor, they were sent to a priest. And again, all the priest could do was look at the condition and declare him unclean and shut him out. The priest couldn't do anything for the leper. They didn't even go to doctors because the doctors couldn't do nothing for him. Again, it's an awful, awful state that they were in. And the whole Levitical law concerning lepers and leprosy is intended to show us the nature and use of the law. It identifies our leprosy. It identifies, the law identifies our sin, doesn't it? It shows us our sinfulness. It's a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It shows us our sinfulness and we have nowhere to go but to Christ. Nowhere else. Oh, beloved of God, nothing. Nothing but the the precious, precious, sinatonin blood of Christ can heal us from this plague of leprosy that we have. In that fountain, when we're dipped in that fountain, man, we come up wider than snow. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Think of that. Plague from leprosy from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. Plague with sin from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. We come out of that fountain of blood Whiter than snow. Leprosy's all gone. Immediate healing. It's good news, isn't it? <laughs> oh my. And forgiveness of all our sins. The ones you remember and the ones you don't remember. 
The ones you know you committed and the ones you don't even know you committed. Oh, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, doesn't it? It's so true. It's so true. I'm going to keep trumpeting that because it's true. Look what Christ has done for me. Now let's read verses 13 and 14 of Leviticus chapter 17. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, leprosy too, as I was reading about it, it, it covers the whole body. And it, it, can, it disfigures the person. The skin turns, turns black in some areas. It's, it's, it's horrendous. It's absolutely horrible. And it says here that as they went, they were cleansed. Remember the fellow that went down the Jordan, dipped himself seven times? Damn. Scripture says he came out of that water, just wine. <laughs> not, a, not, a, not a one piece of leprosy on him at all. My. These ten lepers, what did they cry to the Lord? They cried to him to have mercy on them. Have mercy on me. Notice they don't cry to, have, to heal them. They don't say, heal us, Lord. They don't, do they? They just say, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Master, have mercy on us. And how did they know about Christ? Well, word had gotten around about our Lord, hadn't it? And this is near the end of his life, so he'd been spoken of for a few years now. And maybe word got to them that he, he healed that, remember the leper in Luke chapter 5, he heals? Word might have got around to these lepers. Word's probably getting around to the different places. There's one who's healing people. He's, he's, he's casting out demons. He's healing the sick. He's even curing leprosy. My. So one way or another, they got there, and we know it was by the divine will of God that they got there, because we see it right before us in the scriptures. Again, like last week, they might not have known they were accomplishing the will of God by seeking the Lord out, but they were. Remember them Pharisees last week tried to trick the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were caught in their own trap. My So word went around about this man called Jesus. He healed lepers. He healed people of all kinds of different diseases. They, they might have heard of his wondrous works. So they called upon him. Little did they know that the man who stood in front of them is God in the flesh. God in the flesh. The one who has all power. All might. And they asked him. They cried out to him to have mercy upon them. Now one of the names of our God, our blessed Savior is Jehovah Rapha. 
which means the Lord that healeth. And how are we healed? By his stripes. He is our Jehovah Rapha, isn't he? To each believer, he's our Jehovah Rapha. He's the one true living God. He's the one that's healed me from the plague, the plague of sin. And marvel here, marvel here at verse 14. All our Lord does is say to them, go to the priests. He doesn't lay a hand on them. He doesn't say, be healed. He just says, go to the priests and show yourself. That's all he says. Look at verse 14 again. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go, show yourselves unto the priests. That's all he did. He just told them, go, go show yourself to the priest. Well, and they obeyed him, right? They all took off. <laughs> they all took off. We'll see later why he sent them to the priest. But as they were going there, could you imagine this? Here you're, you're walking, I'm on this side, you're just full of leprosy, and you're walking, you're walking, you're walking, and you're... It's all gone. I don't have leprosy anymore. Could, could you have... It'd stop you in your tracks, wouldn't it? You think of it, those other guys just kept running, <laughs> running to the priest. But it stopped one of them, didn't it? Stop one of them in their tracks, in his tracks. Could you imagine? You'd be looking at yourself going, oh my goodness, he didn't even touch me. All he did was tell me to go to the priest by the word of his power. By the word of his power. They were headed to the priest and then they looked upon themselves and realized that they were clean. Their leprosy was gone. They'd been, healed, they'd been healed by the sovereign will of our sovereign Savior. And he didn't even have to say a word about them being healed. He just said, go to the priest. And by the power of God, this is a miracle, isn't it? By the power of God, they were cleansed. As they walked to the priest, they were healed by the almighty power of God. With just a word. Uh, and this was a full healing too. It wasn't, again, as we've seen all through these encounters with the Lord, this was a complete full healing, wasn't it? It wasn't a partial healing. Well, he's getting better. They were fully healed. Their leprosy was gone. One step, they're full of leprosy. The next step, they're absolutely clean. What power! What power our king has! What a picture of us! Dead in trespasses and sins, and then regenerated by the Holy Spirit, and given faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and repentance before God, and we are clean. Just like that. It's a heart work. All right? 
All they were doing was going to the priest. Priests can't do anything to them. They can't heal themselves, but they're healed by the almighty power of God, aren't they? Oh, my. Cleansed as they walked to the priest. Healed by the almighty power of God. Turn, if you would, to Leviticus chapter 14. Oh, my. Wait wait till you see this. This is wonderful. They were going to the priest. Remember I said earlier that the priest could only declare them unclean. And now we're going to see the priest can only declare, only the priest can can declare them clean. They had to present themselves to the law. And the law has no claim on them now. Oh, what a picture, eh? The law is not going to have any claim on them. But they will offer a sacrifice of joy, (laughs) of thanksgiving. Look at this, Leviticus chapter, chapter 14. Oh, they were cleansed by the power of God. Verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of cleansing, day of his cleansing. He shall be bought unto the priest. And just as our Lord commanded them to go to the priest, they are still not allowed into the city, though, until they are declared clean. We'll see that in our next verse. That the priest comes to them out of the camp, out of the city, out of the village. And the priest, again, cannot heal them. All they can do is declare them clean. You can't heal anyone of... of no, no priest on this earth can heal anyone of their sins. There are sinners just like you and I. Look at this in verse 3, Leviticus 14.3. And the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper. So next we see the one declared cleansed is what? To offer up sacrifices. Look at this. And there is something here that's just so beautiful. Leviticus 14, verses 4 to 7. Then shall the priest command to take for him, this is the offer of sacrifice, that he's cleaned. Then shall the priest command him to take for him that it is to be cleansed two birds alive and clean in cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in the earthen vessel overrun in water. So one bird's a sacrifice, right? As for the other bird, look at this. He shall take it in the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and shall dip them in the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And what happens to that living bird after he's dipped in that blood? Woo! And he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. What a picture, beloved. Just as leprosy portrays our sin, the cleansing of the leper under the law portrayed the healing of our souls by the Lord Jesus Christ. We see in verses 5 and 6 of Leviticus 14 that in order for the leper to be ceremonially clean, two birds were to be taken clean. They were to be clean birds, one alive, or both alive, and both were typical of Christ. One of the birds was killed in an earthen vessel over running water, showing that Christ must be killed. His blood must be shed for the cleansing of our leprous sin. 
His blood must be shed for sinners. The earthen vessel donated his human nature, his flesh in which he was put to death. The running water signified the purifying nature of his blood and the continued virtue of it to cleanse us from all sin. Then take note in verse 6 of Leviticus 14 that the living bird along with the cedar wood, the scarlet and the hyssop was to be dipped in the blood of the slain bird. Then in verse 7 of Leviticus 14, we see that the priest let the living bird go, typifying the resurrection of Christ and our resurrection with him, declaring redemption accomplished, acceptance assured, and sin put away. What a beautiful picture, beloved. Oh, and you know what? You know what? Like that living bird, we're set free. We're set free. We've got the blood of Christ on us. We're set free. We were plagued with the leprosy of sin. And there's a death of our Lord Jesus Christ. The death of that bird, right? That first bird. And then the second bird is dipped in that blood. And let go. Set free. Set free. We're risen with Christ, beloved. He, he died and, and he rose again. And we're free from the condemnation of our sin. Oh my. We're free from the penalty of our sin. Just as a living bird was dipped in the blood of Christ, or blood, just as the, the living bird was dipped in the blood of the bird that died, who was sacrificed, we've been washed clean by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely clean. Washed clean, beloved. Our substitute died for us. And if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Right? <laughs> We're free. It's like that bird flying away. Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? Now let's go back to Luke chapter 17, and we'll read verses 15 to 16 now. We'll see that one leper came back. Out of all ten lepers, one came back. One came back. One came back. Luke 17, 15, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. One leper. One leper ascribes this amazing healing to the glory of God. One leper does that out of ten. He gives him all the glory for it. And note where he returns. He returns to the feet of Christ. That's the best place for sinners, isn't it? sitting at the feet of Christ. Remember the demoniac in his right mind? After the Lord cast that legion of demons out of him, he's sitting at the feet of Christ and in his right mind. This is the best place for us to be, at the feet of Christ. This is where we want to live, <laughs> at the feet of Christ. Because if we're at the feet of Christ, we're looking up to him, everything else is just noise, isn't it? Right? Oh, Lord, give us grace just to do that. Please, please. And I think if we who are the born-again, blood-washed people of God were in this man's condition, we would have done the same thing because he is born again. 
He's been given faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we know that because the Lord said, Thy faith hath made thee heal. That's a, that's a gift from God. This is a miraculous healing, isn't it? So let we who are the people of God join in in praise with this leper. Because God's cleansed us, from our, cleansed us from our leprosy, beloved. The leprosy of sin. And he's done it by his precious blood. And he's the author and the finisher of our salvation, isn't he? He completed it all. And let we who are the people of God rejoice in the fact that all our sins are forgiven. Every one. There's not one sin that God says, well, I'm going to count this one against you. No, that bird flew away, didn't he? There's nothing left to hold him. The law doesn't have any claim on that leper anymore. After he offers that sacrifice, that leper just goes. He's set free. He can go back into the community. (laughs) He can go back to worship. My, oh, my. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Bless his name. Let us never forget his benefits towards us. He's so good to us. Now look in verse 16. Our leper, this leper fell at the feet of Jesus, which again is the best place for us to be. And he fell down on, this, on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Note, he was a Samaritan. They were hated by the Jews. Again, this man was despised doubly. He had leprosy, and he was a Samaritan. Do you know the Samaritans were reckoned by the Jews to be ignorant heathens? People no better than the heathens? But look what our Lord does. He's made them whole. And that hole there is not just cleansing from leprosy. He's made them whole. He's born again by the power and might of God the Holy Spirit. And look at how this man behaved. He glorified God. He came and gave thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ. He fell at his feet. You know, you know who made this man to differ from those other nine lepers? Only God. Those other nine just took right off, didn't they? Several commentators say that they're a picture of people who, who want the name of Christ, but, but truly don't have him. They want the healing effects of Christ. but they won't fall at his feet and worship him. My, oh my. The only one who's made this leper to differ, the only one who's made we who are the people of God to differ is God himself. And God had granted this man faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He stopped, he glorified God, and he came right back to Christ. So he's going one way, beloved. Think of this, he's going one way. And all of a sudden, he's turned. (laughs) We were going one way, weren't we? 
Lord turned us. And it's him who turned us to Christ. It's him who made, made us well in the day of his power. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. And now we hunger and thirst after righteousness, which is Christ. We desire to hear the gospel preached. We desire to come to church and meet with God's people. We desire it. Tell me more about Christ. I can never get enough. Now look at verses 17 to 19 of Luke chapter 17. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now note, this question isn't asked for information. The Lord already knows. And take note, though, the leper didn't say, Well, they took off on you, Lord. The one who'd been cleansed didn't even talk bad about him. He just he didn't say a word. He didn't say a word. My, oh, my. And look what they call him in verse 18. He's a stranger. He's a foreigner. He's a Samaritan. Now, I'll tell you what. There's no salvation without faith in Christ. There's no salvation without faith in Christ. People say, oh, my loved one died and they went to heaven. But you ask them, well, did they believe on Christ? Oh, well, you know, no, they didn't really. There is no salvation without Christ. None. None at all. No salvation in, in our own works. And God gives his people faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ without any works. For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Right? God, having wrought faith in us and given it to us, then it's ours, isn't it? And by faith we receive Christ. We receive him. We receive all the bountiful blessings of God's rich, free grace by faith in Christ. We're given the gift to believe. And we believe. We trust him. We have faith in him. But it's Christ who saves us, isn't it? Our faith really is small. Someone says, well, you don't say that about me. Well, I'll tell you what, I know from my experience, and I'm a weak weak believer just like everybody else people think oh you preachers man you're so strong and you're so no we're weak too because we're just sheep like everybody else right eternal salvation is promised by, by our father the Lord God to all have, who have faith in his dear son it's promised to them it's brought forth in scriptures it says this Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Do you believe on him? Are you trusting him? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. No faith in Christ, no everlasting salvation. Every sinner who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, they glorify God. 
they fall at the feet of Christ, don't we? We submit to him, just like this cleansed leper did, this Samaritan man. And we worship him with a, with a heart of never-dying gratefulness. <laughs> Are you more grateful now than you were when the Lord first saved you? Oh, yeah. So here's a question for all who are listening or will listen to this message. Have you been cleansed from your sins? Have you fled to Christ, the only Savior of sinners? Has the Lord Jesus Christ saved you? Has he saved you? Are you saved by grace alone, through faith alone, plus nothing that you do. And believers say amen, right? And our prayer as believers is that God would grant you faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ if you do not know him. That's our prayer, isn't it? As the message goes forth, we pray that the Lord will use it to draw on his lost sheep. And we pray that he will do the wonder work and Work that he's done, work of grace in you, if you do not know him, that he's done in we who believe. And then you will turn, you will turn with us in this leper, and you will glorify God if he does that. Oh, may it be his will. May it please him to do so.